0: Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called Acts to the Ends of the Earth. Over the course of 10 weeks, we'll see how God worked through the apostles and the early church to spread the good news of Jesus coming to save both Jews and Gentiles. Acts shows us how as Christians, we need to be consumed with the love of Christ and seek to transform our community and the entire world by the gospel.
1: Warranty church My name is Ray, I've been been attending here for about three years, and I serve on our deacon team. Please turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 7. We will read verses 51 through 60. If you do not have a Bible, there is one in the pew in front of you. You can keep that, that's our gift to you. Okay, verse 51, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit. That's what your ancestors did and so you do. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't prosecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law even though you received it from the hands of angels the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fist at him in rage but Stephen full of Holy Spirit gazed steadily into the heaven and saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand and he told them look I see the heavens open and the son of man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand they then Put their hands over the ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't sh- charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ray.
0: Ray's a great deacon, better mattress transporter. If you don't know, you got to hear the story. <laughs> what a privilege it is to worship. In the house of the Lord today, that's not just something I say because uh, it's a routine. I say it because today there are many around the globe um, who don't have churches to attend and cannot attend or being kept from it. Um, It truly is uh, a privilege what we get to do this morning. Uh so I had one sermon planned. I had one direction I was going to go and then there was another. And then last night it took a derail, co- complete derail. And I I'll tell you why can, and and it's probably on most of our hearts today if you've watched anything on the news. Um but the people of Ukraine um have have captured the attention of the world as Russia um, marches farther and farther inland. And it's an interesting thing to line up for this Sunday, and I'll tell you why. And I'm about to recap what we've done the last couple of weeks, but today we're talking about the first Christian martyr. Talking about the first Christian martyr today, and I can't help but think that the Lord, in His wisdom and in His sovereignty, lined up today's message to speak to our hearts. Let me let me get just your attention for a second. Stop thinking about the chicken biscuit from Wendy's, and is that just me? God in his hand knew you were gonna be here today. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident you're there watching online. Um, and you may be watching the replay of this. It is by God's sovereignty that you're listening to this and I, I would hope that his word would encourage us today. Anybody could use some encouragement? I, I, I wanna start out with just a question. What are you living for? what are you living for? Uh, some of us uh, live for different things, okay? And as Christians, right, the, the answer is almost, it jumps out of our mouth as Christians, almost like a Sunday school type answer. Well, I live for Jesus. But in actuality, your life may depict that you are living for something else. Um, today, as we cover the death of Stephen, and if death is an uncomfortable topic for you, um, today we're just going to get all up in death for a second, but I was going to ask the question, this is what I was going to I was going to ask you, what would you die for? But frankly, none of us know what that feeling is. None of us know what it's like to have a gun held to our head and say, denounce Christ or die. We, we don't know that sort of pressure. Not here. Not here. Is there anyone in this room who has had a gun held to their head and asked to denounce Christ today? Anybody? No. So because you're so detached from dying for your faith, I just want to start with a basic question. Are you willing to live your faith? And that's what I want to talk today. It's about are you willing to live for your faith? Uh, Because we're all living for something. uh, To cover where we've been. Jesus Christ has resurrected from the dead. He has ascended. And now he has told the disciples, listen, wait for the comforter to come. You're going to be my empowered witnesses. Say "Witness." witness. You're going to be my empowered witnesses. You're going to witness To people about me. And so he ascends, and the Holy Spirit falls and fills. The Holy Spirit falls and fills. And we saw that in Acts chapter 2. They are filled with not just his spirit, but as a part of being filled with the spirit came boldness and power. Boldness and power. And Peter stepped forward, out on his front porch in Jerusalem, and declared the gospel that you're a sinner, Jesus Christ made a way, repent and be baptized. And we talked that week that what the gospel does is it finds us where we are. It fully knows us. Okay, you can't hide anything from him. And then he fully pardons us. Think about that, that he knows every dark corner of your heart, not just what you show on Sundays, and he forgives you. What a God. What a God. Thousands in Jerusalem, millions actually, but thousands give their life to the Lord. They surrender their lives to Christ. They believe, they repent, and they are baptized. That's the order. So, if today you surrender your life to Christ, the very next step is baptism. And what is developed is this community that is full of joy and generosity. And then last week we talked about the struggle. Everybody say, struggle. Oh. It wasn't smooth sailing for the early Christians in Jerusalem. It was not smooth sailing. Have you ever gotten off to a really good start and then things fell apart? Let me tell you a story. I'm not a big bike rider. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, okay? My wife, if you're watching online, my wife is, uh, burst with laughter at the, at the sight, I guess. I remember riding my co- uh, a bike because my car was broke. That's what happens. Because <laughs> I'm not walking. I don't know. I'm not a big walker either. So, <laughs> so bike's the next option. Um, so I remember I had, a, I had a truck and it was broke down, which was the story of my college days. I always had a broke down vehicle. Um, and so I got on a bike and I was headed down a Cowie Street. I don't know if you know where that's at. That's in Cleveland, Tennessee. And there's this downhill slope headed to work. And I, thought, and I was late. And so I was making up time. I, I was booking it, getting down the road. And I thought, I'm going to get to work on time. I was a security guard at a bakery. (laughs) It's not a made-up job. Don't look at me like that. (laughs) It's real. And it was wonderful, too. So I was on my way downhill. Next thing I know, the front, the the. The where the wheel is attached to the bike, I notice has become very, very unstable. And I think, yeah, uh-oh. I wasn't carrying a mattress. The, it was, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I gotta, I gotta leave the mattresses alone. I love you, Ray. Uh, and I went from going making up time, getting to work on time to... The wheel coming off the front of my bike, it collapses there on um, it wasn't really a sidewalk, it was just the side of the road, so I got a face full of gravel uh, and landed right next to a possum that had just been run over. <laughs> um, thank God, not in it, but it was um, it was a situation where things were going really, really well until they weren't and and some of us in life can can attest to things going really, really well until they don't. Uh, none of us get to avoid struggle even as Christians. And so uh, the church in Jerusalem, we, we saw that they encountered hard hearts. You ever tried to share the gospel with somebody and they wanted nothing to do with it? Maybe that was you. They encountered hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. They encountered um, the explosion of the church, and they had to adapt and kind of uh, maybe get uncomfortable for the gospel. I, I wonder how many of us are willing to become uncomfortable for the good news of Christ, to share it, to step into some uncomfortable places. And we saw all of that. And then we landed last week in Acts 6 and verse um, seven, and this is what it says, so god 's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So we 're still in Jerusalem, and where, where, where did Acts one eight tell us we were going? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. and so they 're still in Jerusalem. Um, And we're about to witness an incredible story. It's wild. But despite the struggle, God's message always goes forward. Despite the struggle, God's message will go forward. That's an encouraging word for you today. That's an encouraging word for people across the globe facing a catastrophic situation that no matter what struggle we face, God's word will prevail. His message will go forward. Now, who is Stephen? Everybody say Stephen. Stephen. Are there any Stevens in the room before I get into this message? So you don't get nervous like every time I say it. Huh? Any Stevens? I was looking for a hand. Any hands? Oh, man, this is great. If you're Stephen online, um, we're not talking about you. We're actually talking about one of the first deacons. One of the very first deacons. If you look here at verse eight, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. And then right before that in verse five, it says everyone liked the idea of, of assigning deacons, and so they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Holy Spirit. When I ask the question, what are you living for? I I wonder what's going to be written on your tombstone. Because this is how people describe Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that that would be what people would say of me. That is what I want people to say. Look at the faith. Look at God. I don't want people to say, wow, what a cool guy. Man, he can sure cut grass. But oh, that people would say, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. What is going to be your life? What is your life going to be about? So he was a deacon but he was a little more than just a deacon. He was a leader in the church. So it says he was performing amazing miracles and signs among the people. So this guy, he wasn't just a good Christian. He wasn't just a, a, a faithful Christian. He was a guy full of faith and the spirit and the Lord was working through him among the people. Um, if you've, never heard of Stephen, Stephen was the very first Christian martyr, and so the reason I'm telling you this is because Stephen wasn't just plucked out of nowhere, Stephen was a leader, he was faithful, in fact, um, Stephen didn't just die for what he believed, he lived for what he believed Most of us in this room today are never going to face the, will you die for your faith? But every morning that your eyes open, you face this question, will you live your faith? Will you live your faith? And Stephen did. He lived his faith. How many of you enjoy court dramas? Court movies? Judge Judy? Look, Steve Harvey has a judge show now. Did you know that? You have got to watch it. It is awesome. It is in no way legit legal, but it is awesome. It's the funniest thing. You know, that's a good question. I have no idea. What station is it on? Anybody know? Search it. Fox. It's Fox. Give Fox a try. It's really good. How many of you have ever seen the movie Just Mercy? Have you seen that? It's a newer one. Just Mercy's really, really good. You should watch it. Um, Maybe. I'll go back a little farther. Uh, Lincoln Lawyer. Oh, okay. Rainmaker. Anybody watch that movie? Rainmaker's a good one. Okay, let me me reach a little farther back. (laughs) Really getting back there. Um, I'm just kidding. A few good men. Oh, see, there's every. You can't handle the truth. Yeah. Y'all got excited. I I, I love a court drama. Love a court drama. The bad guys, the good guys, the worn out. What you're about to witness in scripture is an incredible drama play out in the court. This, this Stephen, who's been preaching the gospel, what we see happen here is this man who's done all these signs. One day, he was out preaching, and these guys started to debate with him. Um, uh, and then number uh, verse 10 of chapter 6 says, none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So he was so full of the spirit That it doesn't say he was the brightest in the crowd. It doesn't say he was, uh, you know, classically trained. It said he was full of the Spirit. And they could not combat the Spirit of God in him. So when they couldn't combat it, you know what they did? They persuaded a few people to start spreading rumors. Again, you just start getting going the right direction, right? And then some struggle. And so they start spreading some lies. We heard he blasphemed Moses and God, which was a big deal in the Jewish community. You don't blaspheme Moses. What else did they say? They also said of him... This obviously set people on fire when he said uh, he's blaspheming moments. Then people spread this rumor, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We heard that uh, this uh, Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs of Moses handed down to us. So they start spreading all these rumors that Stephen is blaspheming. And so they arrest him. And they bring him before the high priest. So don't think, uh, don't think back, backyard school kid kind of judge and jury here. I'm talking like the Supreme Court. The high priest was there, and the high priest, who happened to be Caiaphas? You know who Caiaphas was? Caiaphas was the same high priest that sent Jesus to the cross. Now, Stephen. And you'll start seeing these parallels in scripture between Jesus being um, killed and Stephen being killed. And so they bring him, and Caiaphas goes, is this true? And um, well, Stephen preaches a sermon, but I want you to look at his countenance first. Look. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen. Look at verse 15 of chapter six. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face has become bright as an angel. People have become angry. Their faces are turning red. They're furious. And Stephen's face is like that of an angel. Peace. Peace. It says it's bright. It, it, it's similar to, I don't know if you remember when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments and he was in the presence of God and, and he came back down from the ma- mountain from being in God's presence and the scripture tells us that his countenance was different. His countenance had changed. What this tells us is that one, uh, you look like what you're around, <laughs> They say this about marriages, you know, the longer you're married to somebody. And my wife is blessed. She is blessed. (laughs) People knew Moses had been around the Lord. Stephen's countenance told people he was around. Someone different, he was around the Lord. I wonder what your countenance tells people you've been around. You will look like what you're around. That's why community is so important. Let me, let me move on. So the high priest says, hey brother, is this true? And he lights out in this really long sermon and it is not pretty. He's a fire and brimstone preacher. You ever known one of those? Doom and gloom. And he was, a, he was a truth teller. And so what he does is he takes them on a history lesson. He does not defend himself. So I, I want to point out very quickly that Stephen does not go to his own defense. He goes to start presenting the gospel and awaken their hearts to the good news of Christ. Some of us need to learn that we just need to stop defending ourselves in the sense that People are going to say of you what they're going to say of you. Have you found this to be true? Let me tell you. Christ is all the defense I need. And so he lights it on this sermon. He gives them a history lesson. In two through five, he talks about God's promise to Abraham. In six through eight, he covers God's warning to Abraham and the covenant. I'm not gonna read the whole sermon because let me tell you something, we'd be here all day Taking this sermon apart. 9 through 16, God's faithfulness through Joseph. He's telling them a story. Hey, this is where it started. And this is how it went. And then in 17 through 22, he tells the story of the people of Israel since Moses. And how God appeared to Moses at Mount Sinai. And then Moses um, acting as the deliverer despite their rejection. Stephen looks at these guys and says, you remember Moses, the guy you're accusing me of blaspheming? You rejected him. But he still led you to deliverance. Do you see what's happening? You rejected him, but he still delivered. He continues. In 37 through 41, Israel repeatedly rejected Moses. And then God responded to that rejection by sending them out. And then 44 through 50, Stephen lays out that despite the fact that your family has rejected God and Moses and his prophets for all these years, he still allowed you to have a temple and a tabernacle where his presence would dwell with you, despite your rejection. And then comes the good stuff. This is, this is where it gets, he gets, gets pretty edgy right here. In verse 51, is where we started reading today. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to truth. That word, um, heathen, anybody ever been called a heathen? I have, I, <laughs> yeah, I have family in West Virginia. They use it all the time, heathen. In the Greek, it actually means uncircumcised. Stephen, speaking to a Jewish audience, said, you bunch of uncircumcised. You're no better than the Gentiles. Oh, he's throwing smackdowns. Some of y'all are like, I don't get it. Okay, well, let's keep going. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? He has told the story of how God made promises and how God has remained faithful and you reject him and he remains faithful and you reject him and he leaves his spirit and you reject him and you reject him and then here he is. How long will you resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did and so do you. Name one prophet Your ancestors didn't persecute. Then even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And then here it comes. This is similar in all the sermons to this point. The Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law even though you received it from the hands of angels. And then look at their response. Okay, so just imagine There's a crowd gathered, there's a courtroom, there's the high priest, they're all listening to his story, and you can see the Supreme Court's blood boiling as he talks, because they realize that it's true. The Spirit convicts them, and this is their response. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by his accusations, and they shook their fists at him enraged they were mad they were mad how dare stephen 55 but stephen full of the holy spirit look there it is again do you know what you can face when you're full of the holy spirit do you know what you can face he's facing currently an angry mob But full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look. (laughs) So he looks up. As they're getting, you can see the steam coming from their ears. He looks up. He sees this picture almost like heaven had opened of Jesus standing next, standing there. He's not dead. He's not in a tomb. And then he declares. He almost shouts. Look. I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And this sent him over the top because we just killed him. How dare he say that he's alive? How dare he say he's standing at the the place of honor? That place is for me. This is what religious leaders were thinking. The son of man standing at the place of honor. So they put, now think about this. They put their hands over their ears. Anybody ever had a toddler? Oh, they couldn't stand to hear it. Put their hands over their ears and began shouting. Now, if it wasn't enough that they were infuriated, now their hands are over, they don't wanna hear another word. They are done. And then we see in 57, they rushed at him. This, if you're thinking courtroom, Think about being in a courtroom full of dignitaries. And they start screaming and shouting and covering their ears because they don't want to hear it. And then they, these dignified religious leaders, rush Stephen. This angry mob rushes him and dragged him out of the city and and began to stone him. Now, the stoning process back then was supposed to look like this. One, they overruled Roman law. So they they totally forgot about Roman procedure. They went straight back to Jewish procedure. And they said, we're going to stone this cat. They take him outside. And this is how stonings were supposed to work. You ever been stoned? Nope, you're here. They were supposed to take him outside the city. And when they're about a certain distance out, they were supposed to give him a chance to make a plea. And then when they get a certain distance closer to this big pit, about two people high, it's a pit, two people high, they're supposed to throw him in. Somebody pushes him into the pit, face down, and then someone is to roll him over. And if he's dead, that's sufficient. If he is not dead, the next step in the procedure was someone takes a stone, lifts it, and drops it on his heart. And if he dies, that's sufficient. If he does not die after that step, what they say, the, the congregation begins to throw stones until he's deceased. They skipped all the way to the end. They had no tolerance for this type of talk. Dragged him out of the city, began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats. They're throwing so many stones, they got to get the jacket off. And they placed them at the feet of a young man named Saul, who we're going to be talking about in the coming days. This is powerful. Watch. And then I'm going to have something very exciting I want to talk about. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Picture a man laying in a pit, being stoned, taking hits, cuts, lacerations, big stones, little stones, and everything in between. And you hear him cry from the pit, Lord, receive my spirit, even in his moment of death. He says, The Lord has me in his hands. He's confident. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin and with that. He died. Think of the punishments thus far. For preaching the gospel. A stern talking to. Peter and John. A stern talking to. With a flogging. A beating. And now the same high priest. That hung Jesus on the cross. Has thrown Stephen in the pit. And said we're not going to put up with this. And look at the sim. You, you know who else said. Lord forgive them. For they know not what they do. Who said that? Jesus, here is Stephen Stone, being stoned in this pit. Don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. I read a quote as I was studying this, and we're going to get ready to close. I'm going to have Bill come up in a moment. Killing doesn't make a martyr. It reveals one. Killing doesn't make a martyr. It reveals one. Today, I wonder what your life reveals about you, what you're living for, who your king is. These religious leaders, these religious kings, these religious, the heads of religious state, they wanted to keep their power. They had, they wanted to keep their customs. They wanted to stay in charge. So they couldn't have any of this. But Stephen. Whose king was the Lord? He was will, not only willing to die for him, he was willing to live for him. I was at this concert last night. Anybody heard the crab family before? I went, I went to a crab family concert last night. And hold, hold on. I wanted, this sat over top of me, so heavy, and I, I didn't plan on reading it to you today. But I want to read these lyrics um, to you. Verse 1 says, they sang this song. Some are known by great authority for kingdoms far as eyes can see. In royal robes they rule from thrones. Waging war they overthrow the weak and call it victory. Victory. But my king is known by mercy. My king is known by grace. For the hope in his name and the power that saves, my king is known by the cross. My king is known by an empty grave. Oh, in all that he does, my king is known by love. As we face todays and tomorrows. There are people across the pond who are facing um, catastrophic fear, war. Um, many have been faced with this very same thing. That Are they willing to die for people who bear the image of God? Are they willing to give their life um, and today Bill I'm going to have you come forward as we have talked about Stephen and persecution today I want to announce to you this really exciting opportunity and we're going to watch a video here in a second but I'd like Bill for just a moment to introduce to you who we're going to hear from.
2: Well, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity to be here and present this. As some of you know, um, Val and I were in Ukraine in 2013 to uh, finalize an adoption. Our two youngest children were were born in Ukraine and raised there. They were 15 years old when we adopted them. There were uh, a couple of churches when we arrived there that just took us in, just just clueless foreigners, not not knowing how we were going to navigate this country or this process, that took us into their homes and, and took us into their lives and just just carried us right through that process um, one of those churches you're going to be introduced to this morning um, and, and i do I, I do want to share this um, that this got um, this obviously has been very personal for the both of us. Um, it got a whole lot more personal just this morning when we found out that the man who facilitated our adoption and has facilitated Countless adoptions and, and has found homes for countless orphans in the country of ukraine um, w- was killed in this war. He was a man with some military experience and a dual American and Ukrainian citizenship who could have easily gotten up and gotten himself out of the country. Um, he stayed and fought and 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 paid that price um, so that yeah i just don't i don 't have words for that but but this church um, that you're going to see this morning is in the city of Poltava, which is in the center of Ukraine. For as long as we have known them, they have been serving and ministering to the poor, to widows, to orphans, to the disabled. Uh, this is a not an affluent church by any means, but 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 a group of people whose whose heart is to serve and who use everything that they have to uh, uh, to serve others and, and to serve Christ we experienced that firsthand when we were there. Uh, they are right now trying to minister to refugees they're providing meals for uh, for military personnel they will be called on to support people who've lost their jobs, provide medicine uh, and and they're in a strategic spot where they haven't seen any fighting yet, but that, that, could change, you know, that could change in a day's time. But they are in a strategic spot where they can minister to refugees that are, that are turning through that area. Um, now look, I am not a, uh, a military expert by any means, right? And I don't pretend to be. But I do know this. An army on the ground needs at least two things. They need supply lines and they need air cover, right? So you and I, we are going to be the supply lines for this church because they are on the front lines. They are providing, they're, they're, they're in the trenches doing the fighting. You and I are going to be their supply lines and make sure that they can get the, 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 the funds for the food and the medicine and whatever else it is that they need, okay? That's, that's, our, that's our calling right now. And, and, and look, I know everybody's got a lot on them right now. But but I want you to really think about the fact that there are no bombs falling around Chesterfield. There's no army heading towards your house right now. So so please consider do whatever you can uh, to help these folks out. They they need it.
0: Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.